0: Welcome to RogueCast, the official podcast of Rogue's Gallery. We'll talk comics for the week, as well as whatever news is on our pop cultural radar. I'm Randy. I'm Nick. This is Dave. And now, on with the show. Hello and welcome to
1: another RogueCast. On this uh, glorious fifth week of rain. Yes. Or what? (laughs) No, we've been no, getting... Not,
2: not week. I think it's the third day. day.
1: We've gotten a, a lot of rain and chilly weather and stuff. It's But I like it. You know, I'm a fan. I'm not. So, so Randy, you can hear the mournfulness in his voice. Yep, I'm mournful. I'm sad. Yep, there's, by the way, you know what? There's more to come, I believe. I feel like a
0: character <laughs> in uh, The Lighthouse. <laughs> which I've never seen, but I assume is about people being sad in a rainy lighthouse.
2: Who do you want to be, William Defoe or Robert Pattinson?
0: Always William Dafoe.
2: Uh, it's a good choice.
0: Always be Willem Dafoe. If that option is there.
2: Randy, have you ever seen He's like any here. clips
1: from it? Uh, like seen, like his crazy rant. I've seen gifs. Okay, at some point <laughs> I might have to send you a. There's a there's a bit where like like it would seem comical, and it kind of still is, if it wasn't Willem Dafoe at like his acting peak. Sure, sure. But he goes off on the other guy. I think they get in this argument over something, and it's like one of those things that probably starts small, and then he gets inhumanly angry, and in the end he says something like you know like. Like, you know, I hope that Poseidon himself pulls you down into the sea and drowns you or something like that. Again, it'd be comical, but when he says it, it sounds like somebody actually giving a curse. Uh, And it's, like, amazing.
2: Yeah, I feel like on every other set... uh Will That's Befoe just comes, normal Willem Dafoe. Willem Dafoe comes in and he does this thing and the director's like, can you do it less strange? <laughs> but then when he's on the set of, uh, what? what's the director who did The Lighthouse?
0: Uh, oh, Eggers. Eggers. Robert, Robert Eggers. Eggers yeah. is like, more, more. Yes. This, um, I, this ran across, uh, young Willem Dafoe was in uh, Platoon, 1986. Yep, right. And he still looks like Willem Dafoe. He yeah. did, he did.
1: He just... He, he had uh, youthful sexiness going on as well. By the way, I was looking for young Willem
0: Dafoe, and I gu- Googled Willem Dafoe, uh, <laughs> and a bunch of stuff turned up on Google. i just gave you a few of the possible suggestions. First of all, his, his kid's name is Jack, Jack Dafoe, which sure. is weird. a weird name. It's kind of an odd one. Um, so the uh, questions were, why did Willem Dafoe change his name? Apparently his name is William Dafoe, but uh, he acquired the nickname, the Dutch version of William, in high school. Sure, so like that's you your do. Like, that'd be if, you, if we decided your nickname was Dov. Yeah. I mean, it's not a nickname, that's the same name. It's pronounced differently. Just dutch it up. Uh, is, I don't Will know Defoe, is Willem Dafoe Hispanic? <laughs> uh, Did he
1: play a Latino guy in something and confuse things for people? Is Willem Dafoe half
0: Italian? <laughs> what is Willem Dafoe's accent? Is Willem Dafoe a millionaire? Uh, what personality type is Willem Dafoe? <laughs> This is an unusual list of
1: questions. <laughs> By the way, as long before we move on to actual store stuff... Oh, and is things, this not what the podcast is about today? Um, I, I always like to promote Willem Dafoe himself seems like a really good dude. He does, he does. And if you've never seen, uh, for a little while, I guess it was like funnier Die or something yeah, like mm-hmm. that, was doing these things where they'd get actors and they'd have them go through their IMDB, oh, yeah. the highlights of their IMDB, and respond to it. And Willem Dafoe's one is, like, a, a really good one. I feel like the best one was, like, Jack Black. Danny Trejo's. Really Danny good. Trejo. Yeah, it was pretty good, series. So, so all, it's, a, it's a good series in general, and, like, type in, like, uh, but, like, type in any of those names and, like, IMDb Page or IMDb and Funny or Die or something like that. Uh, it's a very entertaining little five-minute segments of these people going through their best and worst movies, yeah. and, like, it's really well done.
0: Okay. It's funny. Uh, a friend of mine, this is another Digit for George's podcast. Yeah, sure.
1: Who's going to stop us? No one.
0: And this is my point. A friend of mine who is a <laughs> comics creator, is po- he'll, he'll post things every, every now and then and be like, he, he's clearly getting annoyed at the podcast he's listening to. He's like, look, a lot of you people bullshitting at the top of your podcast are not as funny. If you're not amazingly funny, stop bullshitting and get to the podcast. I hope he's not listening to the podcast <laughs> because we do this every week.
2: Are you telling what? me you were not funny?
1: I'm afraid we, we're not. We didn't invent unfunny podcast. That's openings. true. We're Every, just we're white men. We're just we're taking advantage of. Right. Them. <laughs> by 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 nature of uh being white dudes, we had to form a
2: podcast. We have to have a podcast. I feel like we're like 30% funnier than most of the podcasts I listen to. Oh, They're I agree. cold openers. I think so too. I agree. And and that's a bar I can be happy. With. <laughs> and as long as Russell is entertained. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Russell and Cliff and, <laughs> and a couple other and people. And we have a
1: special shout out a little later on for some for we one do, of our our, oh, our third listeners. <laughs>
0: <laughs> no, we know we have at least a dozen.
1: Yeah, that's
2: right.
0: Um, no, we have at least a dozen. We lost five in this intro.
2: <laughs> I believe my brother-in-law listens to oh, us. All right.
0: All, to all, all right. Well, shout out to Nick's brother-in-law. Shout out to Nick's
2: brother-in-law. <laughs> uh, all right.
1: So, so let's. Do we have new games to talk let's about? Let's talk about new games. Yeah, yeah there's. Dave knows a, the format. I know the format, and I'm excited because later on, we're gonna, or in a few minutes, we're going to talk about. We got a bunch of indie games in right and now. And the, let's talk about it. Okay. So, so we've been t- we have a big indie RPG section. We do. Uh, like, I'm talking. How big is it? Over a hundred games. Definitely, I definitely. I think over it 100 might be games. a little bit more than that. Yeah, well, over hundred. Under hundred, over hundred is factually accurate, no matter what. Yeah, <laughs> it's, it's, definitely, 10, not, 000, it's <laughs> definitely not ten thousand. It's definitely not under 100, <laughs> it's over, is is over 100, a hundred. But is it hundred less than 10,000 But 000. if somebody said over two hundred, eh, maybe not. Maybe, maybe not. not. Um, but, uh, you know, they, they range from, like, games that are kind of like kids, the kids on bikes games, yep. these are all usually rules-like games, um, and there's, there's Catthulu is that yeah. what it's called? Yeah, Thulu, which Catthulu is about cats like fighting monstrous ultra Horror. horrors and there's a, some of the one of the breakout formats is what they call solo RPGs mm-hmm. which very often are kind of take the form of journaling they have like blank pages and and they'll like give you prompts and you'll roll on random tables and like it will walk you through a story so that's a little bit choose your own adventure but you'll be writing and kind of doing creative exercises and stuff that would tell what your character's story is and, um, anyway, so that's indie RPGs in general, and we got, what, about like, f- 10, 15 new ones? Yeah, a, a handful uh, of or, As well as a restock of, like, a couple dozen, it's two, a, three dozen I think, others. I
2: think
0: we got about 50 games.
2: Yeah. It's, it's exciting the day comes when Dave and Randy, uh, read synopsis of, uh, indie games and decide which ones sound cool. <laughs> I will <laughs> always, tell you about a few of them in a moment. They're always weirdly yeah. specific, and, <laughs> uh... Let's tell them people about hotel...
1: Spooky Nine Hotel, Spooky Nine. Is it? Mo- it's Motel, spooky Motel Nine. Spooky Nine. Yes,
2: Hotel would be too fancy. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
1: this is this is one of those solo RPGs uh, in which you you go through a kind of a spooky um, uh, motel uh, that's populated. It seems like by monsters, and I'm talking like 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 werewolves and like Medusa, and I, I forget what all else. But I think there's, it's randomized again, and you can travel through and you can even return to rooms in certain places. But it's meant to have, potentially, should you want to, you don't have to, a naughty component. (laughs) Uh, You'll roll on like a random table of body parts, not explicit in this case, but it might say like thighs or something. But it could be like face or arms or something too. And it'll be something that you notice about one of the creatures that you meet there. And uh you can go further down that path if you want to or not. And, you know, if you're a person who's thought about banging monsters...
2: This is the game
1: for you. Yeah, and I know a lot of those people. And yeah, like, there's probably a surprising number of those people out there. And I bet, like, 70% of them are window werewolves. <laughs> <laughs> but, 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 like, if you're, like, in the uh, 3% into mermaids, it's probably in there somewhere. Yeah,
0: well, a lot of, not a lot of people in the Creature of Black Lagoon, but there's got to be somebody out there.
1: You know you know all the different monsters in um, uh, Cabin in the Woods? Mm-hmm. Well, Bradley Whiffer like, definitely had mermaids. This, this is like an RPG where those are your partner choices. Yes. <laughs> But again, it's actually like, despite this game having naughty elements of it, it's kind of like what you bring to it, and they want you to probably go down that direction, you don't have to. There's also uh, Psychic Trash Detectives. Psychic Trash Detectives. This is like practically an all-ages one uh, on on the flip side. Especially compared to Motel Spooky 9. Yes, this is like uh, pandas, uh, trash pandas, like raccoons, Raccoons. possums, but also cats and and rats and things like that. Uh, you are literally solving crimes by they get psychic flashes when they touch the trash of people and they use it to solve their crimes.
2: Okay, that's what my brain was uh, yes, kind of yes. deducing as you but said the name
1: the of, check it. Out genius of this, Check Nick. out the genius of this, Nick. <laughs> in the game, they will have us you like find trash that's around like the gaming area that you're playing in, and that's like what to, you'll use to cue off of. There's some kind of randomized element so that you can get like your unique psychic flash when you touch it. But like I'm just looking at the table we're at. There's little packets of ketchup on here. Maybe an old plastic cup. Like those could be the items. That's how it would okay. work. Yeah, um, you know how uh, see this? The... Uh, see that dish down there of yep. food from uh, that's like a Tupperware dish with yep. old food in it. That would for sure be one of them. <laughs> Dave is
0: definitely selling a- how clean our office is right now. Um, <laughs> I'm painting a picture. You are painting a picture, a word picture. Um, You know how Dread uses, like, a Jenga tower? Yeah. This uses trash instead.
1: Yeah.
2: I mean, that's pretty cool.
1: Um... Um, and it is funny. Like some of these games are a little bit, you know. There's a Star Wars one that's called oh, what's it called? Is, is we just rebel scum? It? Rebel scum. Yeah. It's like Star Wars with the serial numbers filed off, but it's very specifically anti-fash. Like, oh. which is, by the way, implicit in all Star Trek or Star Wars stuff.
2: I'm not sure if yep. we have it, but I want to play the the pub crawl or the tavern crawl one. Right, right. There's one where you are
1: like like on a f- like D and D tavern crawl thing. Yeah, um, it just sounds fun. And there's also like now there's like two player specific ones. There's actually this one that we we already had it in, but it's called like Love and Barbed Wire that's set in World War Two. This is another creative exercise one. Several of these feel like they could be improv or creative yeah. exercises. But I thought this one was cool. You are there's a soldier in World War One and a and their lover at home. And um and you are meant to over the course of like an hour, hour and a half, write, I think, four or five letters. You you don't want them to be long-ass letters. Right. But you'll get little prompts that you use. A lot of times these will use, like, a, a, a standard 52-card deck, or some dice rolls on some tables they've got, to give you, like, a topic. Like, But it'd be like, you know, if, like, the hearts, obviously, in a deck would be, this is a love letter. But it'd be, it might be like, I don't know, diamonds or spades or something like that. It's like, oh, this has something to do with the war itself, and something has come up. And they give you little prompts to give you ideas, and then you write. And you actually, in this one, like, you, you send it without having seen the other persons because it's supposed to represent, like, you know, you might send a letter and they send a letter at the same time. Right. And so there's a little bit of overlap and stuff like that. But um, there's it's, it's such a bunch of cool ideas. Like, well, I mean, uh, most of them very specific in their genre focus and not for everyone. But if, you're, but if it is your thing, it could really be. But if you're
2: for thing. something, you like playing RPGs and you want to sort of step outside of. The traditional D anD D realms. Yes, uh, this is one of those sections where it's good to just come peruse, yep. read some. Uh, Dave has made synopses for a lot of stuff, Yep. yep. Uh, and kind of gives you a good idea of what things are. There, there's
0: also there's a lot of solo games, there's a lot of two player games, and yes. many of them are like for one night outings yeah. or, or like GMless. So you like you all get together, you play, you don't have to do any prep work, right? You collaborate on some
1: world building and storytelling, um, and you know you may play it like one night or two or three nights at tops, yeah. but A lot of them are meant to be short play, so even if your group is like, oh, we want to get back to playing D&D, this would be an easy one to sneak in, and, and again, the choices are just so good.
0: Yep. Uh, we got some. We got a dice restock from PhoneBrain, including their new uh, dice, <laughs> Steam- Boat Willy. dice Boat Willie. Yes. Boat, oh yes, Steamboat Willie is public domain, and everybody's jumping on it. and They do it <clears> so, so fast. There's three pins. Yep, and there are dice with inclusion dice with little Steamboat Willies it's on them. True, I kind of yeah. want to get one. Uh, of it's those. amazing. Yeah, uh, that's so good. Uh, we got the long out of print game Canvas. Yep, this is the new deluxe edition with like mm-hmm. full on wooden tokens, all that kind of stuff. Basically, if you haven't played this game, uh, it is. Like Gloom, it uses uh, clear cards with the uh, uh, elements that sort, of, sort yep. of stack. And what you're doing is you're pulling down these. Uh, you and you, you and your competitors are pulling down these uh, clear art element cards, uh-huh. and you put three of them together to make a painting.
1: Uh, that's cool. And then
0: at the bottom there are symbols. You're trying to match symbols. That's the that's the. So story there's a game element. element, but there's also this kind of fun. Build your own painting. There's also a name at the top of each one. So when you get, you'll have two words, and that will make the name. So when you when you present your painting, when you score it. You're like here is this name, and you oh, show the painting to so everyone, and then they go uh, on clap. And then you,
1: uh, I imagine play. it could be one of those where it's like the name could be a sort of a literalization of it, or it could be like uh, end up ironic. Yes, like I call this bicycle, but it's a picture of like a fiery cloud. Yep, and you're like, oh,
0: so deep. Yeah, <laughs> it's it's a lot of fun. It's one of my one of my favorite games, and everyone I've showed it to loves it, and it is a good game for like either whether casual gamer. Or like hardcore gamers. So,
1: am I correct? And this this might be uh, like a slight cheat, but isn't our staffer dizzy? Didn't she talk about like she wanted to maybe make that a staff pick I somewhere? I was going to make a pick of that, which is good because yeah. I was
0: going to make a pick of it.
1: Yeah. So, uh, so we're, that's that's where we are, people. We're fighting over who gets to the staff pick.
0: This. Also, uh, one last thing about the box. Yep. Yeah. It looks like a painting, and you can hang it up on as like a painting on the wall. Yeah, like it has like a little hook a notch on the back. at the back. A notch to the back. Yeah. Yep. Outrageous. So if you want to store it on your wall and then take it down to play, you can do that. Uh, that's cool. cool. Um, we've got a bunch of new games from Asmodee Day this week. M L E M Space Agency, which is Cats in Space. Okay. This is a push-luck your game. Push your luck game from Minor Knicia. Uh, basically you're all you're all cats aboard a spaceship, want to use the captain, and you play cards to determine whether you're like you're like, do I want to go forward or do I want to uh, want to bail out? Mm-hmm. No, it's not playing cards. You're deciding whether to stay or go as you hit these planets and asteroids. Yep. If you go all the way to the end, you actually get out of the galaxy and you get a whole bunch of points. Yep. But more than likely, the, the rock will explode. You'll get nothing. Is this because the cats are cats? Cats are cats. <laughs> but uh, the different cats have different abilities. Like one of them gets to get out after the explosion, then they get to like, jump out afterwards. <laughs> yeah. And you have different ones. And uh, you can rotate captains, and the captain is one rolling the dice and trying to make sure you keep going. Uh, it's a lot of fun. Uh, we got High Season Grand Hotel, which is a roll-and-write where you're running a hotel. Yep. Uh, psychic Pizza Deliveries Go to Ghost Town. I don't know what that game is, but it's a great title. Say it one more time. Psychic poli- Pizza Deliveries Go to Ghost Town. Sure. Uh, we got Ghosts of Christmas, which is a uh, uh, trick-taking game involving the various like characters from... Um, Christmas, Christmas Carol? Christmas Carol, Yep. yep. Uh, really pretty, really that's public, fun. That's public domain. Could Scrooge fight uh, uh, Dice Boat Willie? He could fight Dice Boat Willie. <laughs> yep. He would too. <laughs> um, we got a game called Lockdown, a game called Habitat, a game called Look at the Stars, Nine Lives, Factory Funner. I didn't look all these up. There's a ton of games. Yeah, but we got wait. a bunch of new games. Uh, Vampire of the Masquerade. There's two new source books Fall of London and Blood Sigils. Okay. Yep. And then there's a game called Quicksand, which is like a real-time game. We a little quicksand timer. We're trying to avoid the quicksand. Oh, my. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, lots of new games right now. Uh, some some strong highlights in the indie fat indies, uh, RPGs, and Canvas. But uh, come check those out. All right, let's talk about comics for the week. It is yep. a lighter week. It's not a fifth week, but it sort of is a fifth week.
1: Yeah, yeah. it's just, it, it seemed particularly small. Well, you know what? But there's, you know what it
0: is? Eh? Next week is a fifth week, and I bet they split things across. Probably. Okay, so. so I bet what we have is one week split across two. Okay. That yeah. will it. So it's kind of a lighter week, but there, there's some, there's some new stuff. We got stuff. some stuff. Yeah. So let's talk about Resurrection of Magneto, which, Dave, I know you read. Yeah, I, I read this. You know, I haven't been keeping up on the
1: Krakoan age very closely, uh, and, and that's drawing to a close. But Al Ewing is a writer I, I have come to really like lately, and he's, he's been doing what? Immortal Thor, yep. and yep. Uh, I think he had a run on Guardians of the Galaxy and yep. some I other but he's still
0: writing Guardians of the Galaxy. Okay. I think.
1: Um so he writes this miniseries, and uh, I'll, I'll give the quick premise. I'm sorry, I'm sure I'll butcher one or two things because I don't know the recent stuff that well. But I know that Magneto died sometime recently. Uh, I couldn't tell you details about it, but uh, because Orcus is kind of this is the final gambit against the big bads Orcus from uh, the Krakoan age, right? And they need a heavy hitter, and Xavier is out of commission for whatever reason too, and so they're like, we got to bring Magneto back. Uh, people who've been reading it for a long time know that you, for a while, for several years their resurrection was something that was like a mutant thing that they could do because of Krakoa. That's off the table now. That's gone. And so Storm has to do the old school kind of metaphysical, Dr. Strange-ish kind of transgress into the afterlife and somehow try to bring him back. And Al Ewing thinks about these things in like a way that feels more like Neil Gaiman or... uh the people who've written like Hellblazer and stuff before, yeah. like the Brits do. Oh, yes. Uh, wait, he is British, right? You, you told me he that. Randy. Right? Yes. Uh, no yep. wonder. Yep. No wonder. They innately understand supernatural afterlife stuff. Uh, um, anyway, um, this is. But it like. Uh, you know, we, we've been talking about how an immortal Thor, when he's been uh, talking about like the, the lore and stuff of it all in Thor, that it's uh, the Thor lore, if you will. Yes. That it's been uh, all. Um, uh, like a mixture of like classic Norse mythology, but like always remembering like the stories that have been written in you know the Marvel specific stuff. Mm-hmm. Well, likewise, this is a kind of a fascinating afterworld that has like you'll glimpse Infinity Gems and the Living Tribunal. I, I saw that. Yeah, and like and but like deeper things. Oh. Like there was like an element that she passes through where like the uh, was it like the phalanx, phalanx yeah. uh, like digital, like a, almost a digital afterlife too. Mm. And like this is a much more interesting place than I thought it would be, and it and she she's like I know enough about magic to know how uh, symbol and and uh, symbolic acts can be powerful in magic, and so she actually has some some potency there beyond just being you know like being powerful, um, and so I, I thought it was more interesting than I expected it to be. I'm gonna. Uh, kind of say that you, you could uh, randomly if, like, that sounds interesting, check it out, even if you haven't been reading up on everything else.
0: While we're on that L. Ewing uh, uh, tip, let's uh, talk about Immortal Thor number 6, which comes out this week. Yep. Which is, uh, Dave, you said you'd been reading Neil Gaiman's Norse mythology, and this is a reference to Yeah,
1: like, like and, the you know, original Norse story. Gaiman's Norse mythology is, of course, tellings of the, the real tales from back when. I've
0: read it, but it was years ago, and I think mm-hmm. I, did, I didn't exactly remember this. Yes, yeah.
1: there is a uh, giant in there who's so big that, like, in In the myth, like Loki and Thor like go into like hiding out from a storm or something they go into a, what they think is a cave, but it's actually this guy's folded up glove right. that's just like so giant that they you know uh, didn't know what it was and it retells that for like the Marvel side of things. I think it even maybe had been probably might have even been told already in like Roy Thomas's era or something like that. But he's, using, he's touching on it for a specific reason. And it has to do with sort of storytelling. And, like, literally there's a point at this in which, like, a Thor comic, you know, like, the comic that we read in the real world is glimpsed in the thing. Like, there's some meta Neil Gaiman stuff going mm-hmm. on. I'm not quite sure what's wh- where they're headed with this. But they're talking about Loki as a storyteller god in this and what his role and why sometimes the myths... Uh, don't line up exactly, you know, the Marvel version doesn't line up exactly with the original mythology and why there's discrepancies. But anyway, it's an interesting thing, and like, because I like to see those glimpses of Norse mythology ever since. Simonson for me, but I know Roy Thomas and Stanley did their share of homaging the actual ones. Yeah, Ewan uh,
0: likes to do the sort of totemic stuff because Incredible or Immortal Hulk yeah. had a bit of that too. And
1: yeah, he, he, yeah, he thinks about it definitely on a deep level. That's not just like I read an article on totemic uh, magic. He's like, I've I've checked out all the books in the library. On did it. you
0: mention this dude's British? This is a very British kind of thing. It's a very British kind of thing, especially British writer. <laughs> um, which not not British, very American is a uh, power pack into the storm. Oh yeah. This is one of those one of those things where Marvel lately
1: has been doing I, th- I think kind of a fun thing where they bring back classic creators um, and have them revisit their their era that yeah. that was their yeah. their they, peak era. They've
2: done it what, with Claremont,
1: they've done it. With so as an example, they they did Peter, Peter David, David, David revisited the Grey Hulk era. Um, did Claremont did an early Gambit story and here Louise Simonson returns to Power Pack. The uh, this is still weird even thinking about it. The kids... They were kids superheroes mm-hmm. that ranged from age, like, what, like five to maybe 15? Alex
0: is, is 13. The Alice.
1: oldest was 13.
2: And, um,
1: and And those were characters... These characters were in the Mutant Massacre. Yeah. They, that yeah. is to say, they crossed over into it and they were like, they oh my... They weren't killing anyone. They weren't killing anyone, <laughs> but they, were, they did look down in the sewers and they were like, oh my god, people are being killed. But they were. They did come across the massacre. Yes, it's crazy. Um, 80, anybody who was like a child of the 80s knows about Power Pack, even if you thought that they were lame and dumb. Yeah. Um, but um, yeah, this is a fun revisit to those characters. From the original writer and artist, I haven't seen. I don't know if June
0: Brigman has done comics I, I was in ages. June, this is a. She's it's not only Liz Simonson back, but Brigman's the original artist, right?
1: She's, yeah, she's still really good. The yeah. art is great. I gotta say, so um,
0: this is a. Um, they're doing an interesting thing. The chameleons, the horsey aliens. Yep, the good guy aliens and snarks, the lizardy aliens, the bad guy aliens. Yep, uh, there's sort of a Romeo Juliet thing going on with one of the couple. Yeah, of them, which is kind of fun.
1: Yeah, I think that's that's a neat idea. I don't know where this is in the timeline of Power Pack.
0: I think it's it's early on because they haven't switched powers yet, which, by the way, one of the worst ideas they have was switching powers. Yes, I agree. They did it like
1: three times and everybody was power, confused with powers. It somehow to. was always a bad idea. Yep. But, yes, you're right. They, they have their classic powers in this. And also, uh, it's got Franklin Richards in it. Because yeah, that was cause like an early thing. They was, were buddies
0: with Franklin. Kate powers like a uh, sort of c- kindergarten boyfriend. Well, was that right? Yeah, because they were um, they were the, both the same age. That's adorable. Yep. Um, and then uh, yeah, let's talk about let's talk about Thrawn. Star Wars Thrawn: Alliances, which is the um, people like Thrawn. People like Thrawn. This is the adaptation of Timothy Zahn's uh, Thrawn novel trilogy, I think. You know, not the original one, though. No, I it's, think. it's this not, is not like the first appeared. But recent this is like, stuff. Yeah. Um, with uh, comic writer Jody Houser uh, stepping in to do the adaptation. Yep. Uh, basically, Thrawn gets paired up with Darth Vader. Right, I've I've heard that yes,
1: that it's kind of when I was making the sign for it that it's Thrawn and Darth Vader, but that there's also a side story or a related story that has like Anakin yep. and Padme, and... and also it is
0: on Batu, which is the uh, Galaxy's Edge planet.
1: Oh, okay. Oh,
0: wait, that that's the thing from like from the, the from Disney Disney yep. World. Yep. Yep. Oh, so, yeah. that's,
1: that is kind of neat. Yeah.
0: So yeah, if uh, if you like Thrawn, this is uh, another uh, sort of a big story with him. He's everybody's um, favorite fascist. Favorite <laughs> fascist. Um, I'm kidding. Of course, Darth Vader is their favorite fascist. That's true. Uh, there's a Ghost Machine. This is a big launch from... Uh, it's, an, it's a sub-imprinted image. Yep. Uh, they've already done a couple of books, but this is sort of their big, their big launching of a shared universe. Largely, this is spearheaded by Jeff Johns, but it also includes artists Jason Fabok, Gary Frank, Brian Hitch, um, Francis Menepool and uh, writers Brad Meltzer and Peter yep. Yep. Um, also Ivan Rice and Peter Snedgeberg and also there's other artists as well you know I haven't seen
1: Snedgeberg
0: or Schneeberg uh, however you say his name in a while but he was always a really good artist yeah Um, so there's a there's a Geiger story which Geiger is one that you've already seen it's their post-apocalyptic superheroes yep there's a new immortal character called Redcoat
1: that one was kind of fun that was a uh, I, I didn't read everything in here but like as I was going through it it's kind of an oversized issue Redcoat is a little bit of like a Constantine-ish kind of, he was like a British spy in, in the Revolutionary War, and he's definitely a roguish type. He has a little bit of that Constantine vibe, but he became immortal, and so uh, he's a running, he's a fixture character in their sort of shared, like, superheroes but not quite superheroes universe. Yeah, uh, like these tend to be people with powers. A but sci-fi. I don't think anybody self identifies as
0: a superhero yeah. in it. There's a uh, Rook Exodus, which is sort of a post-apocalyptic space-faring thing where people have helmets that allow them to talk to, a, uh, to animals. Yep. Um, there's Family Odysseys, which is sort of a riff on the Fantastic Four, sort of, but almost again less super-powered. Right. Um, and uh, I think there's a, probably a couple others in here, but it's a it's an anthology book that launches. Um, uh, sort of these different books from from the uh, Ghost machines. If you're looking for some new sort of uh, indie sci-fi superhero adjacent stuff? Yeah
1: it is it is both indie but also a little little kind of more old school than say the the massive verse stuff. Yeah. Like, I do yeah. think massive verse people should might should check this out yep. but it reminds me a little bit of like 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 Valiant. You know, like yeah. Exo Manowar and stuff like that? Yep. Also, this is five bucks for what feels like a
0: pretty big issue, it, so. it is huge.
1: Yeah. It's it like what huge. might
0: otherwise be like these days a $10 comic or something. Um, we've got the second volume of Saturday Morning Adventures Dungeons & Dragons, which is the d uh, kids. Yes. Yeah, from, yeah, from cartoon. the cartoon. But uh, they meet Drizzt. They meet Drizzt. It's fun. And and
1: from what y'all told me, or from what you told me, Nick, it's kind of like a cartoon, an animated version of him. Yeah. Like, they didn't try and have him, like, come to the world of the books with its murder and stuff like that and sort of more violent action. Right. Uh, it is, he fits their universe. Yes, yes exactly.
0: Yeah. Uh, we got Star Trek Defiant Annual, which uh, is a focus on uh, Selah, Commander Selah. Oh, yeah, uh, yeah. What's her name's uh, Tasha Yar's uh, daughter from another yep. timeline. Correct. That's all uh, right. She was in the Day of Blood. She was working alongside Picard, uh, not Picard, but... Uh, Worf and those guys, and now she's off on her own going back to prove herself to the Roman Empire. Uh, It's an interesting look at her, and she discovers time travel, and basically time travels back to Tasha Yar. Oh. And she has sort of a a fractured relationship with her mother, who she thought was kind of a coward, and uh, she sees a different side of her. Uh, this is all setting up some stuff going on in Star Trek: Defiant, but also it's good because that character, as as they existed, is mm-hmm. kind of a grim character. Yeah. So um, they gave there's a personal dossier that's like the second page. It's like running down her her uh, her history. Yeah. And my eyes kind of glazed over at the like, wow, all the crazy alternate time travel stuff that uh-huh. caused her to exist. I just thought I thought she, like had been kidnapped somehow and her DNA had been taken or something like that, but no, this is like. She's an alternate Tasha Yar from a future Enterprise or something weird like that. I it is something like that, and it's been a while since I've seen the
1: episode. I just the reason the thing that always didn't sit well with me, like for, for you know Tasha Yar, she kind of died an ignominious death yes, because yeah. I mean to be fair, the actress I think wanted out at the time, yes, and so so she was just like a one season character. But like this alternate version of her that showed up in later seasons, I guess possibly when the actress was like, "Oh, I kind of do want in on yeah. this Star Trek yeah. thing," mm-hmm. was like the product of sexual assault, like by a Romulan. Right, and I was like, yeah. Everybody who knows Tasha Yar's stories, like stories, like they they overemphasized this in the early issue uh, episodes of Tr- of Next Generation. Yeah, there was like these rape gangs on her planet when yeah, she was a kid. It's, it's, it's like her worst nightmare.
0: Yeah, especially not on that Star Trek, which is supposed to be a mostly utopian world.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I know they go to rough places sometimes. But but yes, that was always a kind of a misstep, and I think they've probably been trying to do some course correction. Which, when you have a long-running shared universe. That's actually something you can do. Yep. We've seen it happen in superhero comics before, too, where you take some character who's kind of a little bit lame, or some writers screwed him up, and you, you fix it. Yep. Uh, or rehabilitate the character. Hank Pym is a constant tug-of-war character. Yes. Uh, who's a good character.
0: A but Someone will fix it, and then somebody else will drag it back to he hit the wasp.
1: Yeah, like, they there's... Um, They've they, they they may have permanently tarnished that character, yeah. but boy, have they tried to fix it, yeah. and they have, and then somebody ruins it. <laughs> Do Y'all have another single issues you want to mention? You know, I wanted to just briefly mention Green Arrow number eight here. Uh, it's um, uh, I think I mentioned the previous one. Yeah, because um, it was
2: a new kind of jumping on. Point. It, was, it was a new
1: arc. and uh, is it Joshua Williamson yes. writing? Yep. and but very notably Phil Hester on art. Oh, I knew And that. he has not missed a beat since no, his no, great. heyday with. He did the Kevin Smith Green Arrow run that was, like, I suspect the highest-selling Green Arrow comics of all time, maybe except for, like, in the 70s or something when it was just a higher readership. Um, But there's a neat thing in this that begins with what appears to be the death of Oliver Queen... Uh, spoiler warning, things aren't quite what they seem. Yeah, please don't kill Oliver again. <laughs> <laughs> and um, But they don't even like have it as a like an ongoing thing. Onomatopoeia, the killer from Kevin Smith's run, yep. has seemingly killed him. And Onomatopoeia goes to like uh, get paid for his contract. And, and you see this kind of fun and cool setup that... Um, uh, who's who's his Connor. son? Connor Hawk and, and Oliver have done this kind of neat setup it was kind of fun to see the heroes kind of get their moment where you're like, oh, they were smarter than anybody thought they were yeah. in all of this, and they bring back an old uh, Green Arrow villain who was—is it, it Brick? Is that yeah, yeah. Uh, who I'd kind of forgotten about, but uh, like was well used in this. And I believe this is also this is a piece of the bigger story that they're telling with Amanda Waller as the more villainous version, mm-hmm. which Nick had an interesting theory about earlier. Yeah. We'll come back to that I'm sure in the Let's near future and see if it pans out. If it does, it's actually could be a good thing. Yeah, uh, I think none of us quite wanted, especially me and Randy, who grew up on the Suicide Squad of the nine eighties and late '80s, early '90s, yeah. where Amanda Waller was this kind of nuanced character who was uh, tough but like not a monster. And then now she is definitely a monster in the comics yeah. and in the Suicide Squad movies yep. and stuff.
2: I felt like Duffy and, and, and like the Justice League and Just League Unlimited had the best version of her. Well, even not that not was, but... Even that but was she maybe... Had, she had a code. Yeah, I guess.
1: I think she was getting to where we she are didn't now. She like superheroes, but she did have a code. No. Um, but uh, I am hesitant about what they're doing with her right now, because if your theory is wrong, Nick... And this is just oh that's just what they're doing with her. Yeah. Then that kind of sucks. Yep. But if it's if it's what you think it is, then that would actually be kind of cool and could redeem the character. I have to
2: have faith in Tom Taylor.
1: Well, that's that's he's a reasonable person. to Have faith in. Yep. He's honestly earned a lot of goodwill. Uh, but yes, I, I like this Green Arrow, and it's another issue I think you could just wad, wander in on.
2: Yeah. It's it's fun to read a good self-contained story. The art felt very nostalgic. For yeah, me. yeah, I, mean, I love Hester's watching this guy is. draw
1: both Connor and Ollie. Yep. Um, um, the so. only other
2: single well, issues I some? had is uh, Punisher number three mm-hmm. uh, Gods number four which continues Hickman's That's uh,
1: Marvel Gods Marvel Gods yep, number yep. four
2: uh, Hickman's kind of foray into this new character and how he fits into the Marvel universe and Flash number 5, which I think is coming up as the penultimate issue for the first story arc. Oh, so is it? Okay. I
0: believe so. So
2: I'm curious to see where that goes. Uh,
0: I want to mention a graphic novel from first second. It's written by Jean Lin Wang. Oh. Uh, art by Lu Yun Pham. And it is called Lunar New Year Love Story. And it's about a, uh, a woman who, uh, she's had nothing but secrets and heartbreaks. Pretty sure c- she's cursed. No one in her family has had uh, any luck with love. But then a chance encounter with a pair of cute lion dancers sparks something in Val. So it's a romantic comedy with a little bit of Supernatural, which... Did you say you know, lion dancers? Lion dancers.
1: What, what, I mean, what, what is that? The,
0: the, you know, the Chinese lion yeah, the dancers. Lion people. I mean, lightly. I've never seen it really at length. But. Um, but the important thing is that Jean Lin Wang has done a pretty good job in like Supernatural plus... Um, Less slice of life and this seems to be another in that vein Right on. So, uh, so definitely
2: worth a look so popular that he has a Disney
0: Plus show had a Disney Plus show had a Disney Plus show
2: <laughs> is it not did it no, finish no it out? got
0: cancelled oh that's too season bad season one is it oh
2: yeah. I thought it had I thought it was more than that okay. no
0: no they did one season and it is cancelled well you know yeah alright uh, we're going to take a break and we're going to come back and talk about some movie trailers and other news Alright, so we've got some trailers to talk about, and some news, and uh, let's start with the trailers, since we just watched them. Yeah. Uh, Let's start with the official Avatar The Last Airbender trailer. Yes. Uh, They did the teaser. The trailer released today. We are about one month out from the live-action Avatar coming out. Uh, We've all been hurt before. But we've Uh, also all seen One Piece... And
1: if anything might instill your hope for anime-style adaptations to yep. live-action, uh, uh,
0: that's that's it. Man, the Shyamalan movie really burned people, though, because anytime I post anything about this, people are like, don't get your hopes up. People yeah. are really, well, really scared of their being... And, and it doesn't help. That's, that, that's okay to it, be scared. It doesn't help that the creators were on board and then left. Yes. Right. That sends kind of a bad message. But I, I think what happened, if this turns out to be good, is that they wanted to do sort of a recreation of what they'd done, and these guys were like, "Well, we need to update it. It's been like twenty years." Yeah, right. And I think that may have been the. the I do the think.
1: Friction. I do think you have to be open to adapting it to the new medium, yep. and 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 sometimes updating and sometimes changing story elements. Um, uh, hell, they could. You know how like famously because they had to end a little early, yeah. they weren't able to resolve the secret about uh, what's his name's mother, Zuko's yeah, mother, Zuko's yeah, Zuko's mom, yeah, like. They could go ahead and weave that in. Yep. That could even be a thing that's resolved early on somehow. Yep. Um, and, and maybe that—I hope it's that. I hope they were just being a little egotistical and didn't want any changes Same. because they rightly did can claim they made like the best animated adventure uh,
0: cartoon ever. And that is the thing. Even if it's terrible, there's no need. There's no need for it. The, the animated version right? is, is pretty much perfect. I, none yeah. of us can deny that argument. Yeah. Like it's perfect. Uh, but One Piece was so good, right? Well, no. This, no looks good it
2: it brought in because we were never
0: going to watch the anime no. of, of one but I think, piece for me and dave this is a downside we don't want people to watch the shortcut live action and not watch the good one right
2: yeah unless it's, but it cuts unless it's
1: great no well, like there's more of a reason on one piece one piece has like eight billion episodes yeah i was never gonna watch one piece there's a but million like of them, it's, it's just, just three seasons of last airbender yeah. and like people should watch it they should um yep. Agreed? The only way I would say they should like only watch the live action is if it's somehow as good basically as One Piece
0: is. Yeah. Or if they're dying and they only have time to watch one season. Yeah. <laughs> no, you still watch the anime. Oh wow.
2: Yeah, I think but, this is yeah. probably gonna be multiple seasons, don't you think? It has we'll to be. yeah.
0: There's yeah. no way they can do so it I, But I'm saying if someone's dying, they're gonna die before the second season comes out live I'm action. True. And <laughs> that's the only way it's allowed, and even then. Watch the animated stuff as much as you can before you. Uh, before you go. watch the first episode and the last episode, before you'll the, get the gist of it before someone pulls the lever and drops you into the shark tank, so, <laughs> which I assume is the only you'll die. So for so me, it
2: kind of breaks down into two things. Visually, it looks amazing. Yeah, uh, yes. I think all the like the bending powers look really cool. The, the, ac- the actions the action, the flying.
1: Uh, Was he uh, a sky buffalo? Is that yep. what they call him? A sky bison. Sky, sky bison. bison. Um, it looks amazing. Momo, Momo is glimpsed in it. Uh, yeah, we all, saw all the fire bending looks cool, all the water yeah. bending looks cool. We, and the, the casting looks great. Yeah. yeah. Like just I, randomly I'm, like Daniel Day Kim and all that stuff. I'm a little not sure about Sokka. Sokka's oh, one of those really? characters. I think he looks okay, I but think, Sokka is one of those
0: characters who just works in animation.
1: They showed him they showed him being a little bit of a smart ass briefly in this one yeah. and I I agree with you in the sense that I kind of want to see banter between the three leads. Yeah. And so the one I'm concerned about is uh, Aang. Yeah. Yeah. Um, Because the kid, yes, looks like him. Like, he's got good moves. He's got the sincerity and the sadness... Right, but, but we want like, the goofiness. Yeah, so want Aang, the goofiness. I, I need and, and like I need them like walking along on the road or riding on Appa and kind of just t- shooting the shit. Yeah. yeah, and like I needed some glimpse of that. And and they really haven't shown us that. But they did show us Sokka being a little bit of a smartass or something. And we, and did, we did see skin. him
0: ride and we did see Ang ride, ride an air bubble into a statue. Yeah, right. The
2: just one, just one that's, in the that's
1: yeah, just like in the credits. Um, and
2: Sokka was more. What of a, what
1: is what does Katara say? But I believe Aang, Aang can save the world. Aang can save the yeah. world. Yeah.
0: Uh, they also did show some really like we saw um, a bit of Jet yep. we saw the Air we, the air Temple which would be that'd be early for them to bring in the Air Temple because we no, saw they the glider
2: one? I thought they were in season 2 or 3 no 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 okay. Okay. that was earlier that was okay. earlier on because Yang yeah, was going um, to the Air but also I will temple. say
1: like there could even be just a scene where somebody is talking about the four corners of the world and yeah. you just see glimpses of them yeah. like that's not the actual full story well, but it's just Zuko looks of, good Ira looks good. following
0: the, their glider in on his limb.
1: we saw Boomy. We saw boomy, he
0: looks great. We saw um, Uncle Iroh. Yeah, Uncle Iro looks
1: really good. Yep. The Remind me, they showed him doing some fire bending yeah. and I didn't particularly I thought he like never was fighting until later no, on. No, we see
0: him fighting. In, okay. Uh, yeah. So on it's not half com- of Zuko Not
1: completely unusual. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, yeah, uh, yeah. yeah. I, I'm hopeful. I, I hope it's good. There's yeah. movies I see trailers for, and I was like, well, those visuals all look neat, but what I really want is, like, in the way, same way that some of the early Shyamalan movies would just show a scene. Yeah. Like, I want to see, like, a two- or three-minute scene and just kind of be like, how well can they do a scene? That'd be great. Um, but, um, you know, it's a month out. We're going to know soon enough. Yeah.
2: Do we... I, I've, I'm sure I've asked this before, but have we... Who are the people who, who are doing this right now? Like who,
1: I, I who like, is the showrunner? Yeah. Who is
0: actually the showrunner. Yeah, I don't remember uh. either. Yeah, I. I the, the only thing I know is the original showrunners were involved. Now they're not, and that's the thing that makes me nervous. Right, that's, but that's fair. I, uh, I would really like this to be to be great. Yeah. Um, we also saw the trailer for the final season of Star Wars: Bad Batch that's y'all's territory yes. I, don't yep. watch, yes. I don't
1: watch I, I have watched and enjoyed Clone Wars um, but you haven't even watched Rebels I haven't even watched Rebels to some degree I've had enough Star Wars war stories like normal war story stuff even a good one I kinda I can I can only put so many hours but into you're eggs. incorrect
0: Rebels is better than Clone Wars and Bad Batch might be better than Rebels yeah, I... But, like, how many hours is that total? It's, it's not that many. It's four seasons of Rebels,
1: five seasons of Bad Batch. Like, like 50 hours or something? You watched something? all the Clone Wars
0: stuff, didn't you? How no, many hours of Star, Star Trek, Trek did you
1: watch? Clone Wars. Star Trek is better than this. Um <laughs> <laughs> the, oh, I, I Please. I, 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 don't, I, I don't know please.
2: if I agree with that statement. Please. These are... this is How
1: many times can Star Wars tell me that war... That fascism is bad? <laughs> I get it. Um, I, uh... I, Bad Batch is one of those things that I didn't think I would love as much as I did. I didn't mean I to have, dump so on either. it, but y'all are trying to press me. I'm just saying it's not my thing. Yep. Yeah, but right? you all. <laughs> uh, so y'all talk about it.
2: So this follow this is this is the conclusion of this series. Yep. This is the final third uh, yep. season. Uh, the last season ended in, uh, I think, one of the more kind of uh, darker ways than yep. we've seen. Yep. We've lost one of the Bad Batch. Yep. Uh, I don't think I've uh, been angry. Uh, I may <laughs> have actually uh, teared up a little bit because uh, they had made such a big deal in the last season that, of, like, Tech's importance. Yeah. And uh, this is kind of them seeking Omega, yeah. uh, trying to find her, and it looks like a lot of battling uh, well, is I, about at least to... we
0: saw a lot of characters in here, including a uh, surprise return. Yeah, that, uh,
2: that character uh, was supposed to be dead.
0: <laughs> also I, I think their animation has gotten stronger as it they has. go along because some of this, this action sequences are spectacular yeah
2: well in the last season there was just like great action sequences the sniper yeah. episode yeah. with crosshair and uh, it was Commander Cody wasn't it yeah I think so uh, but I love this show I think it's probably the best animation Uh the ba- and I think some of the best stories. Yeah.
0: Well, it's funny because Bad Batch became sort of the A-team for the Star Wars universe. It is. It's yeah. very much what it I is.
2: Have a, I have a weird
1: question um, about that. But at first, I wanted to quick mention one thing that I think is cool. They showed some action sequence that has that big old super off-road vehicle the, the with, with the giant tires and stuff like that. Yeah. yeah. That's like as big as like an AT-AT. Yeah, it's huge. But like, it was briefly glimpsed in the Clone Wars movies and then like, then just kind of forgotten about. Like a lot of things, it was felt like an afterthought. Yeah. Um, Felony forgets nothing, and and I was like, oh, th- this always looked so cool that it needed something cool done with it. So it's, I'm glad to see it's getting an action. Well, sequence.
2: it's a little like an APC in a lot of ways, like a troop right. carrier kind of. But like it's just like a, ma- it's like super massive.
1: APC. Yeah, it's like the juggernaut of APCs. Yes. Uh, here's here's my weird question. Um, so it seems like the Bad Batch do some big stuff, right? Uh, I don't know what like who are they fighting against. So well, the
0: Empire is being born.
2: So well, is, them themselves were sort of trying to kind of come to terms with that. In the second season, they've relocated to a planet. Uh, Omega was like making friends. Hunter was like, this is our home now. Do they
1: have an apartment? Where do they? Well, no,
2: they they, they were trying to build a life. And Rex All of them separately and Echo, together. Uh, Echo was one of the bad batch. He kind of Says that they need to do more. They can't just sit on the sidelines while the empire kind of runs havoc. Right.
1: And he joins forces. Basically, they, do they do they feel a responsibility? Like we were part of the clones, and most of the clones turned on the Jedi. Yeah, and because, set this yeah. Up? because
0: of their bad batch element, they most of them their chips didn't function. Right. Correct. So they didn't turn, but they watched all these people. All, all these people who they fought with are now part of this empire. Yeah. And so yeah, they're like this this little scrappy mercenary unit that's going out trying to help people. As the empire starts mm-hmm. to spread and take over. Right it's in that Andor period, I would say, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah, yeah.
2: Right before it and right before it, like the,
1: the rebellion building, yeah. essentially. Here's my question then. Are do any of the deeds are there are there deeds as big as like the big heroes in the Star Wars movies? Yeah. And if so, is there any weird sense that like they'll outshadow them because, like Feloni is like so good at directing action and stuff. No, I think are,
0: there's no, no, no this 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 feels like the desperation that these guys are doing their best against a, a unwinnable battle kind of thing. Okay. And it, it really to, works.
2: Trying to keep a family together yeah. is kind of yeah. like
0: the, the secondary yeah. mission. <laughs> it's it's really, really good. It is. Um, I'm yeah, excited. I, I'm excited to see see the finale as well. Um, have, have characters from the Bad Batch uh, in, gone in live
1: action yet? Yeah. No. no.
0: But, but I would, wouldn't be shocked. Yeah, I wouldn't surprise me either. That's one of these... Like, if because, they survive. Yeah, we don't know. No. <laughs> um, yeah, I think Filoni is done a good job of sort of extending the Clone Wars all the way up into the Rebel Era... There's all that all that area has been filled in now. Yeah, right. And he's also it feels like he's also filling in between Return of the Jedi and uh, the First the, Order. The sequel yeah. trilogy. Yeah. Yep. Uh, he for sure is. So he is like he is basically building the connective tissue that Lucas could never be bothered to do. And he's he's also We're not like, equipped to do the whole yeah, reason that
1: like I got into Clone Wars originally. Uh, was because it felt like it was sharpening up the themes of the of the prequel movies mm-hmm. and fixing some of the things, showing that these the elements that Luke has created could be used for good stories. Yep. Yep. Um, so he, he not only is he do it filling in the gaps, but he's also fixing some yep. of the existing stuff. Exactly. Yep. Uh, we got a trailer about a hitman, which of course Dave is super excited about. You know it. You know how Dave loves hitman, but. This is a rare case where I might give it the time of day just because it's directed by Richard Linklater, yep. and it appears to be kind of a weirdly
2: rom-com-ish kind of indie movie. So I'm going to butcher it a little bit, because I was curious about, mainly because I know Dave is not into Hitman, yep. so I was like, is this a Hitman
0: movie? Well, Even though it is
2: called it, Hitman. It's called it, Hitman. But I thought I looked it up, and there is a Hitman in it. Uh, so it, it is based off of a article in Texas Monthly okay, uh, about a... I think he is a college professor from yep. in Houston who works with the police to sort of catfish individuals who are trying to hire Hitman. Okay. And he runs afoul of a woman who is in need of help. And that's sort of where the kind of, he gets involved with this woman and there is kind is of a... Is she like a kind of person who would hire a Hitman? Is that the deal? I think there is that, but she's actually in trouble. Like, there's a, another reason, like, I don't know. I don't, don't curious, know. The, the do you know what the trouble means
1: is like trouble mean like bad ex boyfriend or does trouble mean like I, the mafia is gunning? I don't informant?
2: know the definition being of. Hunted
1: the... by the bad batch. <laughs> <laughs> oh no! A Terminator has traveled through time. Yeah. Yes. I don't know
2: the definition of the trouble oh. other than the that fact sounds that sounds
1: more interesting to me, Nick. If I if, honestly, if they had said on the thing, the uh, trailer I, tells you nothing. Like no. I'm like it's fine. It's a little pop and stuff like that. But his characters talking about pie and meeting and it's kind of meant to be kind of bouncy and fun.
2: But if you don't know Linklater, it's it's the trailer is just kind of there it's well, the
1: interesting thing interesting thing and like maybe people listening don't know him that well but he's like a, he's a, one of our hometown boys yeah he's a hometown indie filmmaker whose breakout m- uh, movie was slacker in the 90s which kind of mm-hmm. through austin uh, uh like filmed in austin and a lot of places people who will have seen downtown and kind but of he uh, it's a real slice of the 90s uh, but but uh,
2: dazed and confused dazed and
1: confused he has kind of a few different modes. He has his indie mode. He also did the movie uh, and, and Before Sunrise. Before Sunrise. And, and that and whole trilogy of movies. Yeah. Like Which um,
2: are an amazing trilogy of films. They should see the oh, whole trilogy.
1: Three? I've only seen the there's first three? one. And I I kind of liked it so much as a standalone. About
2: two individuals who kind of meet happenstance it's, and then kind of come back a, together.
0: I thought, it's ever, were, I thought there were two. I thought it was, no, there's no, a third. no, there's a third. Oh,
2: okay. They're all they, really good. It's, yeah. it's Ethan Hawke and Julie Delpy. And the there? first
1: one, yeah, the first one kind of almost took place in real time. It's like a single day yeah. of a connection. He's like backpacking through Europe or whatever, and he meets this girl in France, yep, I think. Yep, yep. And they connect and there's a kind of a will they won't they vibe and it's very sweet and touching and sad and all all the things you want in a kind of indie movie. Um but he also made School of Rock. Yeah. Yeah. That's right. School of and, Rock is great. And so like he has different modes.
2: Did he also do an animation recently or like well, a he rotoscoped did, one? Yeah, well, he he that 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 Apollo one. ten and a half.
0: Yeah, ten and a half, yeah. Um, but they, he, he also did, that. did uh, Scanner, Scanner Darkly. Scanner Darkly, which yeah. employed most of our friends in Austin. Yeah. Yes. Every, anyone we knew who was If you are in art in or way, animation, you, you worked you on worked it. on that movie. Yeah. So he's,
2: I mean, he's got a good pedigree. And, he does. Uh, his involvement in this is, makes me take notice. I think it's going to, and I like Glenn Powell, who is. I do like, who that is. You do. You would recognize him from a couple okay. of things. He was in Top Gun Maverick, but he's also okay. in like a big rom-com that's kind of like a a indie rom-com that's out right now, which I can't remember yeah, the, the name names of the names aren't
0: familiar, but I, I couldn't place but
2: them. But Pal actually uh, apparently wrote part of this. He came up with like the entry point that Linklater had been searching for Ooh. from this article, sure. so... Okay. I don't know. It just seems like a, an interesting time. So I'm, I'm yeah, down for it. The,
1: the trailer is, like you said, Randy, doesn't really tell you
2: much, but it's premise-wise,
0: that sounds potentially interesting. Um, we saw the trailer for Constellation, which is Apple Plus's new show with Numi Rapace. And now is this
2: British Apple, <laughs> or it was just
0: kind is of it boring? British Apple or good, or good Apple? That's the question. <laughs> that is question. And this <laughs> looks like British Apple to me, to be honest. A, it looks little, a little bit slow. It's a sci-fi premise where uh, I think this is based on a novel. Is it okay? Uh, it, it has the, that vibe. The, the premise is interesting.
2: If so, they do it as,
1: I mean, like probably it's going to be like a one-season show. Yeah, Especially sure, like a yeah. mini series. So,
0: Numerator Pace is an astronaut. There's some kind of disaster. She's like talking to her daughter. And she escapes, and she lands on Earth, and then it starts looking maybe she didn't land on her own Earth, like she's on a yeah. parallel Earth. Or something but it's weird. like it's not one of these things
1: where it's like, oh, there's a fascist regime, uh, or, or, no, no. Or, or the robots around. and yeah. stuff. Yeah, she
2: wakes up and it's more or less looks normal,
1: but yet yeah, she's yeah. like, oh, there's a grand piano in her house, and I've never know, owned a yeah, piano. Yeah. Uh, there's some weird her like daughter doesn't think she feels like her. Yeah, yeah. and so I it's mean all these
2: kind of weird. What I don't know is like how you stuff. take
1: this what seems like a thirty minute Twilight Zone episode premise, which is like oh I came back but it was the wrong earth and I get it to it. 10 episodes how do you get to 10 episodes out of it sure you can you can have deep characters and you can yeah. have uh, you know deeper explanation and also a is there any way out of this kind of storyline too
2: and I think if you're going to headline something Numi is a is a good person sure. to do
1: it she's great um, yeah, I'm. This is, you know, I, I don't have uh, Apple Plus, so I'm not going to be watching this. But, um, but it looked to me, it looked pretty good. I yeah. just don't know. My only concern was the: Can you make this premise work for a full series, right. or I like a mini series. Yeah.
2: that's a big question. I will give it a shot, uh, but we'll report back. W- yes,
0: we'll see you when because that's three coming months.
2: up too, right? I would assume it's
0: soon-ish. I think, yeah. And the last trailer we saw was Ripley. Which is uh, the Fantastic Mr. Ripley? Yes, this or Talented is Mr. Talented Ripley. Rippley, yeah, uh, oh, it's just the
1: third filmic take on the yes. character. But this isn't a
0: film. This is a TV not, series. It's a TV show. It's, okay. TV it's on Netflix. Yes. Yeah, filmic can
1: still be. It's but I mean, TV. yes,
0: it's from the creator of The Night of, which was a really good show on HBO. Look, I haven't seen uh, that. That had uh, Riz Ahmed and uh, Bill Campbell. I want to say. Oh, okay. Was, or Bill Camp. Um, basically, it was about a, a kid who. Got accused. He had had one night. a a one night stand. The girl turned up murdered, and it was a question of whether or not he had done it or not. And he's being interrogated. Yes,
2: I remember this. It was good.
0: Great show. So this is the guy doing it, which that carries a lot of weight with me. But also, the person cast as Ripley is Andrew Scott, yep, uh, aka Hot Priest from uh, um, Fleabag, but also Moriarty from Sherlock. Yep, Uh, he's good in everything he's been in. And I think he's play, he'll play a good Ripley. But let's uh, let's
1: real quick rewind on just premise wise. Yeah. Because Us that Mr. Ripley* was what a '90s movie. Yeah. The one I've never seen it. The place I... where people would be most likely oh, to have, have you encountered not seen the character. It? I've never seen it. It's it's a great movie. I, I, I know the basic premise, but I've never I seen it. wind it back a little and say it's a good movie.
0: No, <laughs> no,
2: Dave is wrong on this. It's a legit <laughs> great movie.
1: Um, but it is. It was fascinating to me. It's fascinating to me that it exists. Because I guess this is based on a series of books written in what
2: the fifties? Yeah, by Patricia Highsmith,
1: and it's it's such a weird premise. It's almost like like following a villain.
2: It is. I mean, and you're straight he, up. But he is not like
1: quite a villain in the sense of trying to take over the world or something. He is a person who insinuates himself into people's lives. Yep. He kind of takes on false identities and is very good at balancing his lies. Yeah. Um. And and he's really he's like more than anything he's an expert liar. And in the course of the uh, the movie, which I guess is maybe conflates one more or more stories, I think I don't it's like know. the
2: first one actually.
1: Um, uh, he and this was set in what the set in the forties, fifties, I think, or maybe the era that the books were written. Yeah, yeah. Um,
2: but it's in like uh, who played him?
1: It was Matt Damon. Yeah. Matt Damon, right? He insinuated himself in the in the lives of a wealthy young kind of bored couple. Uh, like a 20 something couple that uh, played by um, uh, Jude Law and Gwyneth Paltrow. Jude Law and yep. Gwyneth Paltrow, and kind of like snuck into their lives and began to kind of make his own life out of piggybacking off of their lives like a leech. Yeah. But like, I forget, like, what
2: would you say his goal is? His goal is to. He fell is in he love just, with kind of like the, so- the, the high life? society and life, and but he, he kind was of kind enjoys of, like, it meter? in a sort
1: of empty way.
2: A little bit, but it's also like he fell in love with Jude Law's character in a little bit and then kind of takes over that identity and he's kind of very odd. I mean, it's a weird thing because I'm watching it and I'm like, am I
1: supposed to be rooting for him? Because there is that sort of vibe of like when the, when things start to close in on him and people are like going to maybe figure him out. Like I get that thing that I get normally in movies that are like suspense thrillers about people I'm rooting for where I'm like, oh, I hope he gets out of this. Yeah. Because they, they do walk that weird line. Yep.
2: There's um, also a great performance in that movie by Philip Seymour Hoffman as the best friend of yeah, two laws. Yeah.
1: Uh, Man, talk about a guy who can go in and add something to a why movie. Why can't I
2: remember her name? Uh, Galadriel from Lord of the Rings. And Kate Blanchett yes. plays a really great role in there as well. Yeah, quite the casting. And then there was another film uh, that has Ripley later in life where John Malkovich plays him. And so when was that made? That was in mid-2000s, I want to say. Okay, okay. Uh, yeah. It was very good, very a little bit different, but had sort of the same, do I root for this man, yeah. who is like a serial murderer at this <laughs> yeah. point? Uh, and,
1: and incidentally, so this new version is filmed, first of all, in black and white, yeah. so there was a noir quality to yeah. it, and it is like very crisp and beautifully filmed. Like, uh, you know, I don't always notice the framing of a shot and say, oh, that's a really interesting, uh, you know... and visually interesting image, but I was throughout this trailer like, oh, that looks great. I think great. it's
2: harder to do in black and white, where you're uh, the crisp, color, like...
1: Right, right. Well, you can't rely a little bit on some of the, like, like you know, like a, sun, a pretty sunset right, or something like that, yeah. or a cool-looking, you know, a beautiful-looking cityscape. You can't rely on the colors to do some of the emotional heavy lifting for you, so you have to, like, be composition-savvy. Well, and
2: there's also some cast members of this new one that actually... Uh, are good actors and actresses as well. It's not just that, the, the lead,
0: right? I didn't, I mean, I, I don't really know who all's in it, to be
2: honest. Uh, Dakota Fanning okay. uh, is uh, plays the female lead in it, and then, I don't know who Johnny Flynn, but, okay, so based on the names, these are, this is going to be a kind of a retake on the original talent of Mr. Ripley. Okay.
1: Okay, I mean, that's a smart D- thing to do and Dickie I'm sure Greenleaf. you can find some other things to do. Um... Uh, I will say, Randy, the the suspense element of it, mm-hmm. I think, although it is also kind of a little a little indie movie ish, you know, the original one was. Um, uh, I think would intrigue you enough to make it worth your time, but this may be the, your yeah, decent be indi- your I entry point this, into I may, the series. I may watch
0: the movie at some point. Yeah,
1: yeah, you'd probably be interested to see just like what what they why they did this or that. But this is a
0: verse. promising trailer. I, I think it looks like it looks good, stylish. What's that uh, on suspenseful Netflix? Netflix, okay, cool. yeah. Uh,
2: yeah, that der- the guy who's doing this, Steve Zallian? Yeah. he's like writer of like a ton of movies. Yeah, he wrote *Clear and Present Danger*. Oh, and *Mission okay. Impossible*. Okay. came up with the story. What a uh, what an unusual *Gangs mixture of, of, things. Gangs of yeah. New York*. He wrote huh uh, *American Gangster*, *Moneyball*. Wow, that's yeah. a lot of stuff. That, that is an insane repertoire. Is he a script doctor? Uh, it's possible, but I don't know. Okay. I was just like, is he? He's
1: not. Is he lead writer on those things, or did he just take a pass or do a punch up? Uh, but still, yeah, that's that's quite a varied...
2: Yeah, I, I'm down for this. I, I'm excited. I, lo- yeah, I, I was imagine we'll be, talking, we'll be talking. We'll be revisiting
0: yeah. this yeah. when it hits. All right, we're gonna take a break, and then we're gonna come back and talk about some TV and movies. All right, so we have uh, a few topics to get to, so we'll see what all we get to here. Sure, yeah, we'll, uh, hit, we'll, we'll push to the next week if we don't yeah. get around to all of them. So, Nick, let's let's first talk about self-reliance.
2: Okay, this is the movie directed by Jake Johnson. Yep, starring, starring Jake, Jake Johnson, Johnson and Andy Samberg as himself. Andy Samberg as himself and Anna Kendrick. And Anna Kendrick, not Jake herself. Johnson, a person that
1: I
0: know. Yes, new girl Peter B.
1: Parker. Peter B. Parker. He's the voice actor. Uh, Peter The voice actor
0: in the uh, but, Spider-Man. But also, Spider-Man, yes, Spider-Man. he's she's a new girl. He is. He always plays a version of himself, which is sort of slacker, yeah. funny guy, slacker funny guy, uh, and this is him playing a version of that.
2: Yeah, but it's a little more nuanced than that. It surprisingly, an, it, it has
0: indie, it has indie movie energy. It is not, it is not just goofy, which I expected. Well,
2: it's also dealing with a guy who has a lot of issues.
0: Yeah, uh, so, so the basic premise of this, uh, this guy who is uh, basically living at home with his mom. He's been um, recently broken up with a
2: well, not recently, it was like three but years. Three ago. years ago, broken up with his uh, live-in girlfriend for like yeah, twelve that, years. That
0: clearly, did not. This is like just he is not, He's not moved on. Nope. Um, he is kind of like stuck. And uh, Andy Simberg pulls up in a limo. Yep. And asks him to get in, and tells him that he has been chosen uh, chosen to, to participate in a dark web game show. Yep. Where uh, people will hunt him for thirty days. But they can, and if only... he survives, he will get a million dollars. But they can only attack him. They can only attack him. Yeah, because he's, he's like, I'm not going to endanger my my family. And he's like, they can only attack you when you're alone. So, and he's like, well, then that's a loophole, man. I can, and yeah. He's like, well, think about it. You have to be alone at all times. Like, no, at no time can anyone. You can't have someone more than three feet away from sleeping, you. Sleeping, going, sleeping to bathroom, going to the bathroom, yeah, all these all things. Kind of stuff. Uh, and he's like, I think I can do this. Yeah. And then the movie is about that. He meets Anna Kendrick's character who uh, who seems to be in the same situation. Yep. Um, there is uh, there's a question of whether it's all real. Right? Because
2: he's definitely. His family his knows family him doesn't to. doesn't be, believe him in a first second. Knows him to kind of lie about a bunch of stuff and yep. make uh, big uh, proclamations about things that he's. like. people he's run into yep. and stuff like that. So there's this element of like. Is this guy just, he just
0: making not... all this shit up? Yeah. And
1: like, he just thought he saw these a little people. Bit, little element of the game, a
0: little this. bit, yes. Yeah, it's not the game. It is no. It is much goofier than that. Okay, yeah. Uh-huh. The game is like entirely dour. Yeah, this is definitely uh, not. I say
2: that this is goofy, and it, it, it is. But there's like an undercurrent yes. of kind of like. Dealing with Mumblecore, your past. Indie, Mumblecore
0: indie sadness is in there.
2: Yes, it is. <laughs> if you want to get like down to yes. brass tacks, yes. yes.
0: Uh, it's a comedy with Mumblecore sadness. But I was surprised by that. I was surprised
2: how like
0: it worked. I, I liked but didn't love this. I thought it was fun, but it never quite came together for me. Uh, but there's elements of it. There's scenes in it I really like. Yeah, I, Jake Johnson is so winning. I will and Anna Kendrick both. I will watch them just for anything.
2: Yeah, their scenes are probably some of the highlights. Yeah, they have good chemistry. Uh, I love the guy that uh, he hires the, the homeless man. He hires yes. to be his body man essentially. Yeah, yeah that's kind of. Uh, that was just wonderful. Yeah, uh, I think if you want something a little outside the box, so, but still. It's kind of ple- crowd-pleasing in a lot of ways. It was cute. It I think this is you would, you would could do worse. Yes. What's the name of it? <laughs> it Self-reliance. Self-reli- yeah.
0: Okay. Uh and that's on Hulu by the way. It's on Hulu. Uh Nick, you finally watched Fargo season 5? I did. You binged I binged the whole thing. I binged it in one sitting. By the way, I don't recommend that. I watched it episode to episode week by week and man, I was I was so into it and wanted to see what happened next.
2: I wanted to be on my couch for ten hours. What oh, the hell are you talking that. about? Let, I mean, let <laughs>
0: me just quick ask though, Nick do you uh, do you ever like shows
1: that are weekly, or would you prefer yes. that they all be bingeable?
0: No, I, I like weekly well, because it it's kinda... funny, because one of the shows we may or may not get to today. Nick is watching True Detective: Night Country. Yes, he's watching it week to week, and I'm of the I may wait and binge this whole thing.
2: Uh, which, I that like, seems like one that
1: might be best in a sitting because it's going to be so kind of such a tapestry. Right. But I don't know.
0: Fargo is too. So yeah. Fargo, for those who don't know, Fargo is, is a FX show by Noah Hawley, one of the best TV showrunners. Yes. Easily in the top five. Yeah. Uh, like, everything he does is good. Um this is season five. I, I had heard that season three and four, which I don't know if I watched. I think I watched
2: one was, part of season three and then fell off. One starred Ewan McGregor. The other one was a Chris Rock. And uh... I think I've seen both of those then and just have forgotten them.
0: Yeah, Ewan McGregor, McGregor plays twins. like twins. Yes, yes, I did see that. Okay.
2: I only watched the first one uh, and the second one. So yeah. the first one had like Billy Bob Thornton. The first one B- was
0: Billy Bob Thornton and Martin Freeman. Yep. Yeah.
2: and then the second one... I... Kirsten Dunst and uh, Jesse, Plemons, Jesse Plemons and Plemons a, a couple and... other... And yeah. I thought do both of those. work great. together now? No, I, I think, just, think that's where I they think met. That's where they met, yeah.
1: Yeah, but I've seen like three projects at least yeah. that had both yeah, of but they, them. That's where they, they met and found out they work together
0: well. Yeah, clearly yeah. they do. But, okay, go ahead. So Fargo is based on the movie, uh, the Coen Brothers movie. And it's one of those things when someone announced they were making a TV show, Fargo, everyone was like, why? Right. Because the movie's perfect. Right. Yep. And there's no great. reason to do it. And in fact, Noah Hawley made a. So Fargo is also references to the Coen Brothers movies and that kind of yep. thing. And he made a movie that is. It, or a show that stands up to the movie, but is not the movie. It's not an adaptation. It is more of a like a remix right. kind of in way. And Joel
2: and Ethan Cohen have uh, executive producer credits, but they have nothing to do with this yeah. movie. I think uh, it like their lesson. Yeah, they're just like did they it still d- vibe
1: like that because yes. I've never seen even one it, episode. It, 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 far
2: it has hundred percent uh, elements where there's what quirky you humor
1: yeah. and then there's some like, there's... maybe some extreme violence.
0: Yes. Yes. In there. yes. Violence, quirky humor memorable characters the, the, Holly the, the, the has kind of memorable co- dialogue and yeah, stuff. Holly yeah. has
2: copied that template to perfection interesting so this season
0: is probably and I haven't rewatched all of it but Fargo season 1 was one of my favorite shows the year it came on mm-hmm. this I think is the best season they've done I, I it, will agree it may have been the best season of television that extended across the last two years like I, I'm I, not
2: ready to say that it, so
0: it well, we haven't seen most of 2024 yet to be fair but That's 2023 okay. was a really good year for TV yeah and this, despite the fact that it was only halfway through, still made my top ten. Yeah. So, what's the premise of this season? So, the premise of this season, it starts with so it's got um, Juno Temple, pair? Juno Temple from um, Ted Lasso, Ted Lasso um, and also from The Offer, which yep. I don't know if you've seen The Offer. I have right? not. Oh, you should see The Offer. Okay. If you like Juno Temple in this, you should see The Offer.
2: Well, she's playing a housewife. It opens up with a. They're pizza. not in
0: Fargo though. They're in.
2: No, they're in North Dakota. Uh, North Dakota. Yes, or
0: is Fargo. Fargo's, Fargo's They're North in North 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 North
2: Minnesota. Minnesota,
0: and this is in, takes place in 2019. Yes, right before the pandemic, during the height of like the Donald Trump era. Yeah, so it
2: opens with a PTA meeting gone wrong. Uh, people uh, breaking out into violence. Yes, uh, she tases somebody and then she's tases, tases the cop a cop. Well, a tases a person, and the person person then a cop grabs out. her and she accidentally tases him. And gets in prison, or, or gets taken in, taken in,
0: and her friends run. And it turns out she has a secret history. Yes, and that is sort of the big. And there's so there's a there's a big tapestry of characters. Um, Jennifer Jason Leigh plays a sort of mother-in-law, right-wing, law. rich. She's I'll a kind a terrible oh, of terrible person. Oh, she's a
2: horrible human
0: being. Um, <laughs> and she is she is the mother-in-law of this character.
2: I mean, they take um, a family portrait with where guns. where all of them are holding AR-15s. By the end, oh, I loved yeah. her.
0: By yeah. the end, they, they make her great. Yeah. Um, so she is she is this sort of uh, matriarch character. Um, her husband, General Temple's husband, yep. who is her uh, is son, a goofball. It's kind of a yeah milk toast goofball dude. He runs a car dealership, Kia dealership. They have a ten year old sort of precocious daughter. Um, but in the first episode, there's an attempted kidnapping. Yep. And we find out that she has a past, which somehow ties into you will find out later on. Uh, John Hamm's character, who's playing the sort of MAGA sheriff type. He's a preacher turned sheriff. Yes, and he is the he is a guy who's like I'm not, I know, I don't enforce the law, I enforce God's law. And he's like I'm America's sheriff, and one oh, of these man. types of guys, you know, very much Joe Arpaio kind yeah, of, of yeah. he has a compound. He's he's married to a woman who run who's is the is the daughter of a militia yep. head guy, all that stuff. There's also a uh, a trooper. Uh, played by Lamorne Morris from yep. New Girl, who uh, will get intro- involved in all this, and a uh, Indian American uh, woman who is a cop. Who she's from Never Have I Ever. Yes, and she's great. She's really good. Has a horrible husband. Horrible husband, just this slacker, terrible husband guy. I
2: like that all these characters get fleshed out. None and of actually, them are
0: kind of like the one note. The thematic is what I discovered. The theme of this show was after watching like six or seven of it is that men are stupid. And women shouldn't have to put up with them. <laughs> that is definitely a, a a point of this. I mean, Lamar Morris's character is good, but in general, the men in here are pretty bad. Also, Dave Foley plays the attorney. Yeah, the uh, eye patch Danish him. Graves. Danish Graves, which is another great quirky character. Can we
2: talk about the really weird freaking thing in this? Oh, you mean show? the guy who might be immortal? Uh, that he's 500 years old, that he's
0: a sin eater? He thinks he's a five-year-old sin eater. I
2: mean, we actually guy. show... They yes. actually show the ritual that yes. makes him this. That
0: is that is very weird. Uh, um, and
2: I was freaking bizarre. So but
0: he I, is legitimately a cool character. When I was talking to Dave about the show, I was saying that these guys, they riff on other Coen Brothers things, and that guy feels like they're Chigurh. They're anti Oh,
2: Chigur. he's 100% that. Uh,
0: and he's a very interesting character. And where they leave that at the end was really satisfying. Yep. Um, this is... It is a sprawling story, but it's very contained. Like you never yeah. feel like it goes off the rails. Um, Juno Temple gives a fantastic performance. So does John Hamm. Uh, so does everybody. Jennifer Jason Leigh yeah. is great. Gen- this, everybody in this is doing like career best work.
2: That's yeah, true. I, I, I think. I mean, it is the, the best season of Fargo. I,
0: I I would watch an episode of this. I would turn it off, and I didn't want to watch anything else for several hours. So like <laughs> Anything I watch is going to compare badly to this. <laughs> So, yeah, it's it's great. It's all complete now. It's on Hulu. Yeah. Highly recommended.
2: Watch it in uh, 10 hours. Uh, binge. You can binge
0: in a 10-hour <laughs> thing if
2: you
1: want. Uh, That's one of those shows that I actually do want to uh, watch, but uh, I will not be binging it. No. No.
0: I mean, you'll be watching it over the course of 20 years. People yes. are not like me. That's okay. Uh, Dave, you went and saw Galaxy Quest.
1: Yeah, this movie, this new movie, Galaxy Quest, you might have heard. of <laughs> Now, um, you know, uh, um, I saw Galaxy Quest in the theaters when it came out in ninety nine. I was wondering how old 98, that was. Ninety yeah. eight. Ninety eight. But I could. Um, are you looking it up? Uh, yes, I am. Okay. Let's get an answer. Oh, I
2: thought
0: you were gonna. You, you're not going to spin while I while I do
1: it. Well, you're going to interrupt in like two seconds. It's 1999. Okay, oh, okay. Yeah. I don't right. want to start and be interrupted one second. So in. same year as the Matrix. Um, yep. yep. Um, and uh, I think people I think people have seen this movie. It's, this movie is like it was kind of a cult hit originally, but I think it's been kind of spread far
2: and wide. If you though. hadn't, if you haven't, hit pause, go watch it. It's streaming somewhere.
1: Yeah.
2: yeah. yeah. And, so like relish in the awesomeness is a,
1: is a movie that I didn't have any expectations of when I saw it. I'm like, I didn't watch what, what was what was the thing that Tim Allen. Was was famous for Home in the
2: Improvement.
1: 90s. I didn't watch Home Improvement, yeah. and um, I think we were all nervous about it. We, yeah, we were, we're and like, it was like is... it was looked like it was a send up of Star Trek. Yep. Well, had That's he done Toy premise. Story? He had, yeah, yeah he yeah. done Toy yeah, Story. It's not like he was like box with poison. I was just like, I don't think I plug into Tim Allen's vibe. Right, I agree. And um, but what they ingeniously did was uh, for again for those if you have, for those who haven't seen it is to cast him as a William Shatner-type egotist Mm -hmm. who basically, for Galaxy Quest, is this world's Star Trek. Very clearly Star Trek. And uh, it's uh, 20 years after the heyday of the show and the, 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 the cast... Uh, of the show, which has always resented his glory, uh, his glory hound tendencies yes. and egotism, uh, they're all kind of reduced to like selling autographs at overpriced autographs at conventions and stuff like that. Yep. And it's a fun cast of characters that includes Sigourney Weaver uh, playing, Huckman. you know, a kind of she's sort of the Uhura job who yep. felt like basically yep. all she did was repeat what the computer did. Yep. Alan Rickman would be a guy kind of Patrick Stewart esque, and that he's like a classically trained British actor who was in his mind reduced to playing this kind like of spot character. spot character and and then there's you know and there's a bunch of other characters in there but they all kind of dislike him and um where things the show the movie takes its turn is that he's going to what he thinks is just some private party or something like that where he's going to try to pretend to be his character and it turns out he's taken by real aliens. Yes. Yep. And these real aliens have uh, intercepted signals over the years and they have mistakenly thought that Galaxy Quest was a historical document right. yep. and not a entertainment. In fact, they don't even know they don't have that kind of entertainment on their world so it's not even right. typical for them and once he realizes what's going on at first it's a big lark to him like he's like oh this is super fun yep. I got to fire the blasters and all this but yeah, he, he doesn't realize he talks shit to an actual like alien warlord right it'd be like talking it, yeah. shit to yeah like one of the big bat like Khan yeah. Yeah. yeah and and something like that and he's actually in a way left him in a big lurch yeah and so he tells the rest of the crew that like or the rest of the cast he's like kinda of trying to do him a solid and he's like, Hey, you gotta come back with me and check this out. It's super fun. It's it's amazing. This is a real spaceship and all this. Yeah. And they kind of just needing, you know, desperate for any work and thinking that he's lying, to be yeah. honest. Yeah. They go ahead and do it. They all end up on this ship. And the rest of the movie is them having to kind of, I guess, Three Amigos style. Become their characters. They have to become the characters that they portrayed because these aliens need them to do it. Yep. And it manages to both be a send-up of Star Trek like a, uh, that like spoofs like the super nerds of Star Trek and the egos behind the scenes and stuff like that, but also completely, in some ways very, very loving. Oh, he's an absolute love letter of Star like, Trek. Because
2: one of the like kids who end up being pretty prominent is Justin Long. Justin Long is a
0: super fan who... Uh, there's a there's a very memorable. They're they're trying to bring the ship in for a landing, <laughs> yep. and he's like <laughs> they. Earlier on, he had shut him down at the at the
1: convention really hard, well,
0: and he did a riff on on Shatner's get a life sketch from Saturday Night Live.
1: Yeah, he goes off Tim Allen on his character and says like it's just a show. It's just a show. I can't answer your dumb trivia because it's just a write. Those were just writers who made up a story, and he shut him down, and the kid took it badly.
0: Yeah, yep. and so, so he calls the kid on the communicator, which has been left for the kid, and the suddenly kid, he needs the, the information. Knows, he knows what the actual ship. Blueprints yeah. are because the aliens built it using this, right? And there's a bit where he's like, "Look, I'm not a loser, okay? I know it's just a show." He, he does this whole thing about like, "I understand," and he's like, "It's all real." He's like, "I knew it." <laughs> yeah. <But laughs> this is so also good. the first place I probably ever saw Sam Rockwell. Sam Rockwell's great in this. He is a he's, he's a red shirt. Like, he's the convention planner who, who got them all together. Yeah, and he gets and he's super super excited about all this. And then he gets dragged in and realizes he's like, "Oh shit, I'm the red shirt. I'm, I'm gonna die. I'm the name uh, nameless <laughs> security
2: guard." Was, and he's He's panicking the whole movie. Yeah. I was also excited that... Tony uh, Shalhoub. Tony Shalhoub, who I would have seen in countless episodes of Wings. Yeah. And I was like, this is probably one of the first, like, big the, stars. this
1: sort his, of always uh, stone the engineer. The is, ultimate is laid-back, yeah, dude. Um... He gets one of the great scenes when the and there's like fires and people things exploding behind him and people launching past yeah, him kind of like and he's like, hey uh, captain, uh, we're having pretty major problems down in engineering, <laughs> yeah. so just wanted to let you know, FYI. And like, there's an explosion and guy just goes flying by behind him.
0: And also, the main alien is, is Enrico Colantani. Enrico Who is Colantani? That? He, is, he is Veronica Mars's dad. He is just, on just shoot me. me. He's, he he's, he's been around forever. He's, for, he's, actually, he's so, been around forever.
1: When I was looking at the credits last night, I was like, he's so good in the role yeah. of that alien. He like almost invents his own style of act, act, interacting with people and yep. laughing and stuff like he that. He plays different characters in everything he's
2: in. You could stop this. he is so good.
1: He is. <laughs> but uh yeah, this is one of those movies that like to me it's actually like kind of like in the, uh, I, I do a Trek pod, Star Trek podcast, and and I'm in, you know, I got a foot in that Trek community, that pretty dedicated Trek community. Mm-hmm. This is a rare case where there's a movie that's so good that it's the community that, in some ways, it spoofs, yep. but also loving love letter, like we said, has fully embraced it. Like you'll see people oh, yeah. like make their list of their top ten Star Trek movies or their top Star Trek movies, and they sometimes just include in Galaxy yeah. Quest, and it's not really refuted. People are like, yeah, that's Star Trek. Yep. Um, so um, yeah, it, it is a it is a fantastic movie that really comes together. A very crowd pleasing ending, uh, f- funny bits, very some very touching moments, um, and pretty good special effects and stuff yeah. too.
0: And we haven't really talked about how Alan Rickman is so good in this. Yeah, yes, the Spock guy, the the British <laughs> actor who does who's. who's you know what's saying, interesting? He's, he's
1: both Spock, it. but also a little bit Warf with yep. his, both yeah. his alien traditions. Yep. like
2: Grabthar's hammer.
1: Yep. Yeah, so he he has a thing that's supposed to like, when he swears an oath, he say, it says like, by Grabthar's hammer. Yep. And in the beginning, before this all happens, he's having to open up a shopping center yep. and yep. they're cutting the ribbon and he's like, by Grabthar's hammer. What, what a savings? savings. Yep. Yeah, he's
0: <laughs> he's trying to leave in the middle of the thing, and uh, and Tim Allen's character gets to come back by going like uh, the, show the show must, must go on.
1: on. Yeah, he says <laughs> he's like. He's like, get, he's like, get away from me. There's nothing you could say that would make me go back out on that stage. And he's like, the show must go on. And he just so freezes like, up, and he's like, it. damn you. Yeah,
0: yeah, yeah. It's great. Uh, I, I will rewatch this at the drop of a hat. I feel
1: like, by the way, I think Alan Rickman was probably more or less playing Alan Rickman. Oh, I think hey. so, yeah. yeah. <laughs>
0: uh, I, I do have a little bad news. The only place to see this for free is on AMC+, Plus, which nobody has. Yeah. But uh, you can buy it on Apple TV for 10 bucks. You can buy it on Voodoo for 15 it is worth the money. You it's will watch it multiple yeah. times if you've yeah. never Spend seen Spend a little it. time pirating it. Do what you do or pirate it, whatever. If you've never seen it, you should see it. Yes, and if you have seen it, why don't you rewatch it? Yep,
1: it's a little like Princess Bride in that, like, it's just the, the best kind of crowd pleaser.
0: And in that, if you find someone who doesn't like it, you probably shouldn't trust that person. Don't date them. It's don't just get away. <laughs> yeah, they're they're, they're... probably a, a killer. Yep, probably so. <laughs> uh, all right, we've got a couple other shows to talk about. We're running low on time. We're running a little little. Uh, uh, long this week. Uh, let's 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 try to knock them out though. Real okay. Quick. So lightning I, round. I want to mention Echo. Yep. I don't want to spoil too much because I think you're probably going to watch it at some point. Yeah, I'm going to try to watch so this it this. Is, weekend. This is Marvel's Marvel Spotlight. It is supposed to be the shows that you don't have to watch the rest of the continuity for, which is weird because the first ten minutes of the episode are literally just showing a whole bunch of stuff that happened in uh, She Hulk, no, in uh, Hawkeye and a little bit of Daredevil. Sure. Because they wanna set they wanna remind you that Echo first showed up in Hawkeye yep. and that Kingpin first showed up in Daredevil. Yep. And so they're showing they're showing all that. This is about Echo is uh, Maya Lopez. In the in the I don't know this I don't know this character that well in the comics. In the yep. comics, she was introduced as a deaf character, as a sort of foil for Daredevil. Yep. She could echo people's movements kinda like Taskmaster. Yeah, a little bit. Um she uh she was a Sort of a villain, but then quickly we came. She was,
2: in the comics, was King, like Kingpin's
0: stepdaughter. Like, or, like, oh. adopted daughter. And, and she is kind of that here. He's, he's called uncle in this, yep. but... Um, and she became Ronan for a while. Yep. And most recently, she got the Phoenix Powers. Yep, that actually they, happened. They do not know what to do with her in the comics, and she's not a well-defined character in the comics. She was yeah. a David Mack creation... She's and not, Bendis, and Bendis, and she's not well defined. I suspect she was at her best definition
1: in that like first whatever first story yeah. they did with her. Even though it's it's not great, no.
0: <laughs> but
2: it's better than but turning it was, but into she the Phoenix. She, she wasn't the Phoenix Force. <laughs> yeah,
0: but at any rate, they, she's not a bad character. But I don't yeah. know her. I don't know any. Like, yeah, I wouldn't know what the Easter eggs were. So I watched this as kind of a standalone superhero thing, set in a universe of characters I like, um, and it's pretty good. It is much more Netflix speed. In that there's a lot. There's not much in the way of costumes, like the Netflix Marvel style. Yeah, yeah. it is. It is. There's not much in the way of costumes. It is more violent. Uh, it is more about her coming home to her family in a small town in Oklahoma. I forget the name of it, but basically it's the Choctaw Nation. Yeah, um, she is. Um, there, a lot of it is is in that 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 language, which yep. is really cool. Um, her her grandparents. Basically, her mom died in a car accident when she was really young. And it was caused by this criminal gang that her father was involved with. Right. And so her grandmother blames her for that, which is kind of messed up. But she's like mad at this little girl for all her life. Right. So she's sort of estranged from her family. Uh, her dad died by way of Ronan. Uh, and he was set up by the kingpin. That's sort of the hawk the Hawkeye yeah. set up. And um, she is now going back, and she's basically, just now that she knows the truth about the kingpin setting her father up, she tried to shoot the kingpin in the head. And he survived. And now she is basically trying to wreck his operations. So he shows back up in this. He is trying to sort of get her back into his life. And uh, and she is trying to start a war with the Kingpin's organization. And it's all that. She's got her family ties. Uh, she's trying to sort of like get... How back tough her is she that
1: she thinks she can take on the Kingpin's organization? She's
0: very tough. She is like an MMA fighter. Mm. Uh, she's been trained since she was very young. But uh, still
1: like human, like still daredevil type. She Punching. was able.
0: She's able to fight Daredevil to a standstill. Okay, uh, so she is in that skill, re- skill level. Okay, pretty. Um. So and they do show her echo powers are different in this. Okay, they do sort of give her a thing, and the reason what, what her echo thing means, I thought it was a very good reinvention and ties more into her sort of her heritage and that kind of thing. Nice. It's a borderline cheesy thing, but it works for me. Okay, I thought the supporting cast was all really good. I thought the. Um, the setup, like this is a different setting than we've seen anywhere else Uh, it's a five episode show so it's a quick binge I happened to Um, catch just a few one or two scenes in it out of the
1: corner of my eye when I was uh, at my brother's Mm -hmm. and I saw what looked like also some good stuff from Vincent D'Onofrio as as kingpin like he
0: really got some good scenes Yep. Uh, there's some really good action scenes Uh, I think for me I don't want things that are out of the I want the easter eggs I want the connection to the MCU and I feel like for me I would have liked a little more connection yeah but as sort of a standalone thing, and there are a couple nods, there's, there's some notable nods, but this is very much a, you know, if you, if you like the Netflix stuff, this is going to vibe for you. And whereas Netflix stuff tend to be like 12 or 13 episodes where it should have been like 8 or 10, this is 5 and it's about right. Okay. Uh, I, I would recommend it. I think, I think uh, it is also, there's not a lot of MCU this year. Right. So if you want some live action MCU, this is it. I think a lot of people did catch that
1: Netflix uh, vibe. They liked Punisher and Daredevil yeah, and stuff like yeah. that. Uh, everybody knows that, like, Iron Fist was the weakest point, but that the other stuff, like, a lot of people plug into it. So. Yeah,
2: I agree. Yep. All right, Nick, do you want to talk about True Detective? Yeah, so uh, I really want y'all to watch the show. Show because it's one of those that I, I guess. Is it only like two episodes in? It's only two episodes in. Yeah. But I, apparently, I, I did not watch the first season when it originally aired. Yep. It was directed by yep. or created by Nick, Nick Pizzolatto, Pizzolatto and Pizzolatto. directed
0: by Corey Fukunaga,
2: which the two is of a thing powerhouse. Is falling out afterwards. Yes. Uh, but it was a, apparently one of those shows where people, because of what was in it, were like throwing themselves down ra- uh, Reddit holes. There was a lot of
0: crazy it, people thought it was Yellow King because Yellow King. Is yeah, there's a lot of supernatural Cthulhu stuff, and it turned out to be a little more mundane than you expect. Yes.
2: So this new season, Night Country, is headed by a different director. She both it's writes a female and directs. Write, 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 yes, right. Yes. This is Why uh, Issa Lopez. Uh, she did a movie called Tigers Are Not Afraid, okay. uh, which actually has some supernatural stuff. Okay. And in this this series, she is hearkening back to sort of season one in a lot of ways, but she is going full hog with supernatural stuff.
0: So you told me that that has me more interested.
2: Uh, it's really cool. It opens up with a uh, kind of clear-cut supernatural,
1: or stuff that could still be interpreted as someone's vision of it, or this is a stylistic uh, scene, or whatever.
2: I guess you could you could potentially, but we've seen fake. Pho- we, we've fake seen supernatural. We've seen ghosts. We're seeing weird things. They have posited that this t- this takes place in a town in Alaska huh? ca- called Ennis, huh? which is a made up city. But they're experiencing. This is was the final day before the 30 days of night. So they. Okay. Uh, and it's very claustrophobic. You're kind of disoriented because you can't tell when it's nighttime and yeah. daytime.
1: You know, there, that. Um, it's not a great movie, but that. Uh, was it The Wolf? Grey Wolf? Whatever it is with Willow. God, no. Who's Taken Guy? Liam Neeson.
2: Liam, Neeson. With oh, Liam yeah. Neeson.
1: I believe it also takes place in and around there, yeah. that time period. And. Most of the times I've seen people film that, they actually do a pretty good job of capturing that kind of uneasy twilight-ish thing where it's it is unnerving. So I I suspect the filmmaking on this like is probably the best version of it.
2: Yeah, it's gorgeously done. But the story opens with like a two-minute kind of segment about workers at a at a station called Salal Station, which is like a ice drilling okay. uh, kind of like drilling for. Something unknown, but something okay. important. Uh, and something happens. It feels very much of a piece with like John Carpenter's The Thing. Huh. Uh, everyone at the station is disappeared. It's left in a state of kind of weirdness. Like food is left out. That's the central mystery. That's the central mystery. Jodie Foster plays the uh, lead detective of the NSPD. Mm-hmm. She is an asshole she is also a very good detective yeah uh and she is paired with a person that she basically kicked out of the police force and she is now a trooper i forget her name but she is uh she i think she's an mma fighter in real life or something but i'm blanking on her name she's fantastic okay uh but they are sort of having to team up not really wanting to to sort of understand because they're both working cases that fit into this one larger thing mm-hmm. but we're getting stuff like from the first season of true detective which i went back and watched and i see why people loved it and i see why people praised matthew mcconaughey mm-hmm. for his and woody harrelson both of them but especially matthew mcconaughey for his acting prowess the and two of them great
0: chemistry together they
2: really did uh and they're parking back to sort of the spiral sigil there's a couple of other things okay.
0: uh that, that that makes me interested just to check it back out and also i haven't watched season one since it was very first on so it might be time to uh give that another look
2: also uh dave fiona shaw who from the mother from andor she plays kind of the yeah. a recluse out on the at okay. edges the fringes as, yeah, yeah and she's more of a spiritual person okay. and i the, there's some she just Chew scenery like no one else. She's
1: great. great. I mean, she ended up with some really good stuff to work with in Andor, but that's that's cool. That you know, it's the cool way. to see an older actor getting that kind of yeah. work. I the, mean, not just that kind of work, but I mean that kind of the character and lines and stuff. So the
2: actress I was that I blanked her name on is Callie Reese. She is a professional boxer and actress. Okay. Uh, but she is fantastic. She's in the, the, the partner. She's the partner, and I can't express Jodie Foster more. She's such a. Phenomenal actress and just brings never seen her give anything less than a great performance. To yeah. be honest, I mean yeah. she just brings it. Okay. And the the location though, the the this director, Lisa Lopez she brings to life this this little yeah. town. Every little aspect Spooky, of it has weird,
1: uh, a, uh, sad, scary, lonely, isolated just, le, Arctic le, or like type locations are yeah, definitely I up my alley.
2: I listened to podcasts with her and her touchstones were Seven, uh, yeah. Alien, mm-hmm. and mm-hmm. The Thing. Okay. And yeah. she was like, I, I want to bring sort of the supernatural back to True Detective. Okay. So uh, it's it's cool. I am loving the show. Chomping uh, at the bit for more. I wish I could binge all whatever 8 to 10 episodes. but You can't. You just got to wait 8 I, more weeks. No, but you can't do that because I need somebody to talk to about it. My wife can only take so much. <laughs> but this has definitely got its hooks in me. And I can see...
1: You're like, I why? think I even know who the true detective will be revealed to well, be. Well, I can
0: well, see why this. people <laughs> pay back for every week I was watching Fargo, and I'm coming in like caught up yet. <laughs> yep. I just, That's I true. can
2: see why people fell down the rabbit hole in that first yeah. one. That there's a yep. lot to it, and uh, the first season of True Detective is great, and I definitely would recommend if you want sort of a primer, watch that prior to watching Night Country. So you're saying
0: I should watch all of season one first? Unless I... you
2: remember it really well. Because <laughs> uh, they definitely dropped some uh, Easter eggs. Not even but Easter like, eggs. Like, like here's moments. the thing. like,
1: I am not likely to watch two of these seasons. Like, would I? should I more likely watch the first season? Or should I watch this? Because, like, if it's Easter eggs, that's one thing. I don't really care. If it's, like, major Did... plot points are going to be linked into it? Uh,
2: there are there are points. I But surely you...
1: it's going to be standalone. Every season yes, is standalone. I
2: would imagine so. But... They're definitely kind of connecting them.
0: Okay. Well, based on Nick's advice, I will have to watch season one before I watch any of Night Country, which means I'm probably gonna have to wait till the whole thing's over. Oh.
2: <laughs> but I watched Fargo, finally.
0: I know, but it's too late now. No, <laughs> it's, no, no. Too late. it's too late. <laughs> no, I might watch Night Country. The, the Supernatural thing definitely intrigues me a little bit more. For whatever reason, I think because I just finished Fargo, I was not looking for another big like prestige TV thing, and now I'm in that sort of like, okay, maybe I'm ready for another big prestige TV I-
2: Honestly, I think right now, which there's not a ton on TV at the moment, yeah. this is the best that I've seen in, okay. a, in a little while. Uh, Both all words.
0: Right. All right. Um, that'll do it for us this week. We'll be back next week with more. Until that time, yo Show. RogueCast is a weekly podcast broadcast from Rogue's Gallery Comics and Games in Round Rock, Texas. You can find us online on Facebook and at www.roguesgallerytx.com and email us comments or questions at roguesgallerytx at gmail.com. Thanks for listening.